Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Of the Rad Adventures Network. And you're listening to Saturday Matinee Theater with Jason, Jared, Dellen, and Pat. Have fun. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Long Box Crusade. I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and joining me, as always, is the Watson to my Sherlock, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christados. How are we feeling today, Dr. Christados? Feeling kind of nervous. I just checked my pockets and I found these seven silver coins in my pocket. You'll be fine. Not sure what it means. <laughs> it means it's time but, to go to the arcade, son. I, I, but hey, I'm buying. <laughs> I, I, I would stay away from from stairs. Yeah. Away from stairs, head towards the arcades. That's my okay. recommendation. I may have to go out of order because this is a nice segue to introduce another one of our co-hosts, Delvin the Dark Web Wilkins, who we affectionately call Bobby Wilkins. Welcome back, Bobby Wilkins. Have you ever worked at an arcade? Yeah, I have worked at an arcade. That's right. He's I like hope. one of the last bastions of arcadeness people. Worship before him. Yes, good old Aladdin's Castle for about three months. I don't even <laughs> ever remember officially quitting. I just stopped going to work. <laughs> also how he left the Air Force. They're still looking for him. <laughs> Could I trade those yeah, guns in for like some tokens? came up on security clearance like, Jason from Aladdin's Castle? <laughs> you are unreliable. I, I, don't, I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> Castle. Well, welcome back, Bobby Wilkins. Thank you. Good to be back. Even though you weren't in this episode again. Again. Free Wilkins. Free Wilkins. <laughs> Free Wilkins. If we don't get a Wilkins episode soon, I don't know what I'm going to do. But since I mix up the order, let's double back to my older, wiser brother, the Mycroft and my Sherlock, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. How are you tonight, Jason? Oh, the game's afoot, boys and girls. I'm feeling good and ready to plunge into this mystery. When's the last time you went to an arcade? <laughs> We've changed the theme of the show. Jeez. One of the last times I think I can remember was actually when we went to Ocean Shores with, yeah. with my boys. Yeah. And played yeah. at Ocean Shores. Yep. I remember that. And even that's gone now. So Dang. that's kind of a bummer. Speaking of bummers, let's introduce our guest. <laughs> Have you been reading my student evaluations again? <laughs> we are actually very excited to welcome to the show. You get to play the role of Moriarty on the show today. This is the host of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Professor Allen. Some people know him as the Quarter Ben, but we just call him Professor Allen. Welcome to the show, Professor Allen. The odor lingers. There was no mention of that in the Dietrich's that case. This is my <laughs> pipe smoke. <laughs> I assure you. Sulfuric, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it is I, great to be here. It's a pleasure. We're happy to have you here. And as the guest of the show, you get to answer the two questions that all guests get asked. Are you ready? Doesn't matter. Here we go. What is your first Holmes memory? And what is your favorite iteration of Holmes? I remember graduating from like Encyclopedia Brown and other kid mysteries to Holmes, maybe fifth or sixth grade, something like that. Mm -hmm. Early stories I remember were the Speckled Band and the Redheaded League. I envisioned like paperback collections of short stories. They may have only had, you know, four or five stories each. And one of my biggest 
recollections is that I'm not going to explain the spoiler, but the cover of the book gave away the secret of the Speckled Band. <laughs> I can already say. imagine what that was. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a dramatic scene and it's a great moment, but spoilers. <sighs> they spoilers. Put the, they put the spoiler on the cover. <laughs> Genius. A few years after that, my parents bought me, I guess must have been for a birthday or Christmas, a lovely one volume complete Sherlock Holmes collection. Nice. And close to four decades later, I still have that copy wow, of that book. Got it after 16 years. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In terms of the iterations, you know, since I'm a professor and I like to hear the sound of my own voice, I have two answers because there's a distinction to be made between the original Doyle canon and the, if you will, expanded universe. Okay. And in terms of straight adaptations of Doyle, there's no doubt anyone who listens to the show knows it's the Jeremy Brett series. It stands so far above every other effort, it's not even fair. I have to watch this at some point. And they are straight adaptations of the original stories. I think by the time he passed, they ended up getting something like about two-thirds to three-quarters of them recorded. They are excellent. In terms of additional works, you know, like we're watching here, there's a series of novels by Laurie R. King, currently being published, probably started about 20 years ago. And they're terrific. They feature the character of Mary Russell, an American woman who charms a retired Holmes enough that they end up married. Spoilers for, I don't know, second or third book. But the first in that series is called The Beekeeper's Apprenticed. And uh, that's probably the best place to start. Oh, okay. I've heard a lot of buzz about that one. (laughs) 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 (sighs) Hang on. <laughs> oh, honey, honey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's going to fit right in. Well, welcome. We're very happy to have you here, Professor Allen. It is great to be here. Now, Saturday Matinee Theater can kind of be confusing because is it a catalog show? Is it a hodgepodge? It was someone who would explain it to us. Dr. Cristados, can you explain it? Well, sure, Jared. I can do that. Let me tell you what Saturday Matinee Theater is. It's a retro review, sometimes index show brought to you by the Longbox Crusade, where we will be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of television, movies, serials, or films. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. We've got some plans for down the road, but the first stretch of Saturday matinee theater will be covering all 39 episodes of the 1954 television series Sherlock Holmes, which was produced by Sheldon Reynolds. It starred Ronald Howard as Sherlock Holmes and H. Marion Crawford as Dr. Watson. So take off your deerstalker cap, light your pipe, get cozy by the fireplace, and let the soothing violin music of Sherlock Holmes whisk you away into the past. But don't forget your gold doubloon. That is impressive. It's smooth. That is impressive. He does this every episode. He just comes in here, picks up that bow. Ah. I know. It's just a miracle. I'm just a master with just a string and a bow. Last time we had, our guest was Ruth Sutherland, and she did a great bongo solo. Professor Allen, do you play any instruments? A kazoo. All right, kazoo solo, go. That was awesome. Oh, oh man. Man. Yeah. That's, that's, why I, 
I didn't keep know you it, could do that with a kazoo. What is keep it in my pocket like, at all times. That's a good rule for work. Keep it in your pocket. Are, are you able <laughs> yeah. to get through the uh, the airport with that thing? With the kazoo? Yeah, in your pocket. <laughs> it's not sharpened. Oh my goodness, that was some excellent kazoo playing, and of course, Doctor Christados on the violin. Mm-hmm. Just we do get a lot of talent on the show. I think what the show is really, it's podcasters got talent is what it is. And we're <laughs> auditioning people for the band. Yeah. Making I'm going to have to start providing some, you know, dark web commentary. Eh, it's a bit pitchy, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, yeah, yeah a little pitchy, dog. Look, I, from, from, from where I come from, that's like a D plus. In terms of my language. Where you're from, there's clearly some quality kazoo playing. I guess so. A plus kazoo. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Okay. Episode seven was titled The Case of the Winthrop Legend. Original air date, 29 November, 1954. The director was Jack Gage. The writer was Harold Jack Bloom. Guest starring... Ivan Desney as Harvey Winthrop, Peter Copley as John Winthrop, Meg Lemonier, Lemonier. I'm guessing Lemonier. I'm thinking yeah. Lemonier. <laughs> Let's go, Meg Lemonier as Alice Winthrop, Karen as Margaret Peg Hall, and Charles Perry as the Constable. And as a reminder, all these shows are available on YouTube. So you can watch this episode, previous episodes, and uh, episodes to come and just follow along with us on YouTube. Now with the plot summary is good old Jared. Thank you, Delvin. As a reminder, when I do these plot summaries, I try to take us through the episode without revealing how Holmes discovers certain things. So we don't spoil it too much. If you're pre- Really anti-spoilers? Skip the summary if you haven't watched the episode already. However, like I said, I try to do it in such a way that I don't reveal how Holmes discovers certain things, so it can still be fun to watch. With that in mind, here we go. We find our old friends in their Baker Street flat doing what comes naturally. Watson wants to relax, and Holmes wants to make poisons out of household items. A visit from Harvey Winthrop reveals that he is concerned about his brother John, the holder of their family's fortune. It seems that the older brother John has been finding silver coins on his person lately, and according to a family legend, that means he will die soon, just like his father before him. Claiming that he has no desire to see his older brother dead just to inherit the family fortune, Harvey invites Holmes and Watson to Winthrop Manor for the weekend to help 
to prevent his brother's murder. Arriving during an appropriately creepy thunderstorm, Holmes and Watson meet the rest of the family. In addition to Harvey, they meet his older brother, John, John's blind wife, Alice, and Harvey's fiancée, Margaret. During introductions, another coin appears on John's person. Ghostly! After dinner, things unfold as one might expect. Holmes almost kills Watson with a crossbow, and do you remember that murder that Holmes is being paid to prevent? Well, I hope the Baker Street boys are in a position to give refunds, because John Winthrop is found dead at the foot of the stairs. One of the smartest non-Wilkins constables in the whole series shows up and pretty much defers to Holmes for his entire investigation. But was it the ghosts in Winthrop Manor that killed John? Or was it the younger brother, Harvey? Sweet blind Alice? Kinda sexy Margaret? Holmes with that dang crossbow? Tune in to find out. Let's get into the highs and lows, boys. And as we do it here, we let the guests go first. So what are your, some of your highs and lows on this episode, Professor Allen? For the highs, I like that we started with Watson as the narrator. Your time is up, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually watch this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, for real. Professor Allen, please proceed. I like that Watson was the narrator. I like the crazy chemistry experiment. And those are classic Holmesian things. I thought the actress playing the blind woman was pretty good. Holmes sneaking a clue into Watson's pocket just to see if he could. Holmes climbing down the stairs and over the sofa to determine a specific clue uh, as well. Again, that's the sort of wacky thing he would do. But by far the biggest good in this episode Mm -hmm. is the mustaches of very high quality. <laughs> I mean, what, we got, what would you grade the mustaches? Oh, we're talking four A pluses here. Watson, wow. the Winthrop brothers, and man, the police constable. They I mean, are, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, they're rocking some well manicured stashes. It do is you think, impressive. Do you think, do you think those guess. are actually prop ones or are they you think they actually grew them? I hope know? they're props, because I got some serious mustache envy off of Watson, man. <laughs> I cannot grow a mustache that good. They were impressive. you have any lows or are those your final uh, thoughts, Professor? In terms of the lows, the constable snuck off at one point and hit against the wall. <laughs> that was weird. I have no idea what that was about. And the absolute final scene I didn't like. They came very close to pulling off a really dramatic, cool thing at the end. A thing that does happen a few times in the canon. But they pulled back and they ended it more traditionally. So that's not, I mean, it's a little bit of a negative, but it's more of a man what could have been and you know you mentioned the crossbow and that is a a habit of Holmes in the Doyle works is that he does have a propensity to fire weapons indoors true But I didn't like that they did it here as an accident. Holmes ends up looking pretty silly in that case. And Holmes is not perfect. He has flaws. He has faults. He has weaknesses, areas of knowledge he knows nothing about. But carelessness or lack of attention to detail, that's not Holmes. I think they were just trying to make a filler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something that Professor said there about the sneaking constable. They're called Bobbies, right? Yep. I like to call that sneaky Bobby. Deep cuts. Oh, deep, deep cuts. cuts for fans of all of our shows. I had to get that in there. That was a good one. Uh, <laughs> I know Delvin likes Sneaky Bobby. I do like Sneaky Bobby. Sneaky Bond, too. My favorite part of that is that Pat declared that his own joke was a good one. <laughs> of I course. Why would you? 
their own fan. I'm a fan of people being a fan of their own jokes. Oh, Delvin and I have been doing it for 20 years, so I'm not knocking it at all. Speaking all of right. Delvin, what are your thoughts on the episode, my friend? I agree with the professor in that the opening was cool. I thought it was going to be one of those POV episodes where they just follow Watson around and you got to hear what Watson thought, but wrong. That wasn't the case. Didn't happen. And sure enough, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to get drawn in his shenanigans. I want a quiet night. And he immediately was drawn into Holmes's shenanigans, <laughs> like right away. He did not have the quiet. Well, maybe he had the quiet evening after Winthrop left, but it didn't seem like he was going to have that quiet, peaceful evening that he wanted to. For whatever reason, maybe it's because they divided the episode into parts. It felt longer than the 26 minutes. That's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. I I am blanking on the thought that I was going to say. Was it that Pat's uh, joke was really good? <laughs> and you should it. bring it up again. Yes. Now, just picture that joke with a mustache. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's on fire tonight. I will say that at the end, I was a little bit confused. Since I can't give away the who done it, I'll say that I wasn't quite sure who did it. Maybe I'm a little bit slow there. I did not really understand who did it at the end. Talk to me. It was Margaret. (laughs) Yeah, it was Margaret Hall, man. She did it. But the blind lady pushed her down the steps by accident. That's poetic justice. But what? Did she push her? her Scared her. I think just sort of scared her, and her guilty conscience took over. But was it an accident? Accident? That's what I'm saying. I think it was kind of left for us to determine. The way that I saw it is that Mrs. Winthrop possibly could have done it. I think she startled her. I really got the feeling they were doing, like Jason said, like a poetic justice thing at the end, which is one of the things I was like, eh, too convenient. But I could definitely see where there is room for other interpretations. I thought it was interesting that Holmes's entire body language changed when he knew who did it. Because for a minute, he was kind of doing that serious contemplation, like, I'm not sure who did it. I'm still not sure. I, I know it's definitely not this spirit that everyone's talking about. It's going to be one of the people. They're going to reveal themselves. And then when the person revealed themselves, Holmes was all over it. It looked like his entire countenance changed when that happened. That was a pretty cool thing. Downside to it, again, I just thought the ending was a little bit confusing as to who done it. guess I just want my mysteries to be wrapped up, especially if it's 26 minutes. You know, come on, let me know. I'm, I'm slow. I'm simple. I'm Wilkins. I'm a cop. You just got to <laughs> tell me straight up. Are you guilty or not? Who am I throwing in jail? <laughs> no, yeah, Wilkins isn't your normal cop, man. Wilkins yeah. got it going on. You got to give yourself some credit there. I haven't seen myself yet. I can't give myself credit. Pat, I'm, I'm looking credit forward- for a joke earlier. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> Take it from me. Anybody can do it. (laughs) That is true. That's all I got. And Jason, go ahead, sir. I think we all touched on a little bit. I thought the chemistry set and the experiment at the beginning of the episode was pretty cool. I was kind of chuckling as Watson was slowly getting poisoned by the chemistry (laughs) set. It's just another uh, day at home, I guess, for poor Watson. I liked, again, and we've seen this a couple of times, how Holmes's mind is multitasking. After Harry Winthrop comes to the flat, they take the case. Watson's still kind of talking about the case and Holmes is clearly back into his experiment and he just kind of floats in and out kind of at his own pace and speed. And I think that's kind of amusing. I think it's played really well in this episode and indeed in the series. I got here in my notes that haunted houses are cool. <laughs> I like it when they have to go to a haunted house and, and I thought that setup was really neat. I got uh, that in we, my notes too. Spooky Manor. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the crossbow scene, as we talked about, was pretty funny. I also liked how Holmes kind of set up Watson by putting the little silver doubloon in his pocket. Kind of freaked him out a little bit there, but Holmes was just trying to make a point that it's fairly easy to plant a doubloon on somebody. It's apparently I, pretty easy to just get one over on Watson. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, say I guess it's that's true. In general. Yeah. Fool doesn't know if he's wearing somebody else's coat, somebody else's hat. <laughs> Carrying some doubloons. Who, who punched him in the eye? Who pulled his nose? Jeez. He doesn't even help people. He's a doctor and he couldn't even help that guy. <laughs> Look, he is very, very good at telling when people are dead. Down. <laughs> 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 yep, he did. <laughs> does make you wonder what kind of medicine he practices or maybe maybe he needs more practice you notice he had those pills in his pocket right away too these will help you sleep like what the hell man <laughs> <laughs> but i think the thing that i really want to discuss is the constable and his bizarre activity that we touched on a little bit and i'm gonna throw out a theory here to you folks and see whether or not i can get some of you to jump aboard my thought train i think that the constable had really figured it out. And I think what he was doing was he was positioning himself in the place where Margaret had stood and hid to blindside, what was his name? John. And so that's what he was kind of testing at to see how far she would walk past before she noticed him. And so I think that that's what he was doing was testing out a theory. But I I don't know. What what do you guys think? Well, literally nothing else makes sense (laughs) for his actions. So that's not that. Yeah. Uh, All right. No prize for it. That's for sure. You got me thinking. That's the only theory I could come up with because I thought, yeah, that is really weird. And then I'll end my summary here with kind of a question that I was left. And I think I'm playing off the good professor here is I wasn't sure if the blind lady knew what she was doing and pushed Margaret down the stairs intentionally, like she had figured it out and was getting her revenge, or if it was indeed just poetic justice. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I would lean toward the latter because she seemed to be sort of exercising that guilty conscience because she had gotten away with it. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a couple times to Holmes, not just with Irene Adler. It happens a couple other times where the person gets away with it, often where he knows who it is, but they've escaped justice. And I thought they were going to go there, which I think would have been bold. Would have been yeah. a crazy, would have been a crazy choice in 1955. I just think she was so, you know, so that nervous energy and the guilty conscience and was just shocked, surprised by the other woman's appearance and then fell to her death. I think so, too, because if you watch her, she comes down the stairs the first time and she has no problem walking by past the dead body. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, you know, sneaking Bobby, he, he sneaks up on her. But then when she's walking back, she's like, hey, I got to kind of walk around this. I don't want to touch the body at all because she knows everybody knows that it was her now. She's lost that confidence. Uh, That's a good point. Good observation, Pat. Thank you. I'll turn it over to you, Pat. I thought this one was more mystery. I have like more mystery, less funny. So there was was a lot more mystery going on here. One thing I noticed, and I don't know if anybody else caught on to this, is what Holmes talking about when he's doing the experiment and he continues to talk about some previous case about a lady getting away with something and that's why he was doing it. Pretty nice foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Now that I think about it, yeah, you're right. 
one of his lines about that was the woman was guilty as a vulture. Clever, too. Mm -hmm. Talking about the past case, but that applies in this case as well. Yeah. Interesting. In the last episode, some comments that Watson was making about female tigers and stuff was foreshadowing in that. We have to keep an eye out for Mm -hmm. more foreshadowing in the first act. That is part of what a mystery is supposed to do. You know, give you some clues to follow. Well, then I I found that clue. Aha. You're, you are not Pat, clueless like Pat, people you're just on it tonight, man. You are completely on it. And I didn't even watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> Best use yet. Well done, Pat. <laughs> Spooky Manor, I like that. Like Jason said, when they go off locations, I really like that. And you get to see these old time sets. I don't know if that was actually filmed in a... It'd be interesting to see you know, where they filmed it. Was it in sort of like a manor? It looked really cool. Yeah, it, and, it either was or it was a darn fine set. Other than that, again, it was more mystery. They tried to make it funny in some parts, but it wasn't their typical ending. I think Professor kind of mentioned that it wasn't their typical gaggy kind of like a, on a laugh or leave you as Watson's doing something Watson-y <laughs> at the end there. There was something odd about this one compared to the other episodes that we have seen so far. So that's about all I got. How about you, Jared? I found the episode to be extremely disappointing because it starts off with this guy and he's got this older brother that if he kills him, he'll get more money. And I was like, yes, yes, go yeah. on. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Show me how. Show me how. This is not yeah, a how-to tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this whole time I was going to get some tips and pointers on how to knock off old Weasel Skull, but it didn't, didn't come to fruition. It's like I tell my students when I teach them about insider trading, this is not a how-to lecture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to piggyback off of one of the last things that Pat said. This whole episode had a different tone as Delvin read the cast and crew. We have a new director and a new writer. We have not seen this writer before. The director might have done maybe one other one I can't remember, but I know that's a new writer. So okay. I think we're seeing where that different tone came from and i'm not saying it's bad i think we just all noticed it was noticeably different and i don't even pay attention to the director or the writer sometimes so even though you even write them in the notes here. <laughs> that's all right i know you don't pay attention when i talk it's okay what? Part, what? exactly it's part of our relationship so i'll jump into my fun facts with jared peter copley the guy who got killed he returns if you guys remember he played lord beryl in the second oh, episode oh okay did he have yeah. an awesome mustache oh but the mustache that's why it made him <laughs> mustache threw you right off didn't it <laughs> Did. Mm-hmm. He didn't have it before. Good observation, Holmes. That leads us to believe maybe those were prop mustaches. Possibly. Uh, or maybe episodes, it's... he could have grown it out. Yeah. <laughs> that would take away from the authenticity, and hopefully it would affect your grade if it were fake mustaches. <laughs> Uh, We don't like no plagiarized mustaches around these parts. Heck no. We keep it real. (laughs) Ivan Desney, who played Harvey Winthrop, is not a name that we're terribly familiar with, but he was a very prolific and award-winning European actor, and he worked all the way up until 2002. So he had a very long and prosperous career. We had some fun pronouncing Meg Lamanier, or Lamanier, however it is. She is also a return. She was in the very first episode as Mrs. Cunningham in the case of the Cunningham heritage. Did she have a mustache? She did not have a mustache. (laughs) Oh. Yes, Yes, she was not blind either. (laughs) 
The next fun fact is the actress Karen, who played Margaret, and as it was pointed out, Karen is how she's listed in the credits. It's just Karen. This is her only credit. I looked her up oh. on IMDb and tried to do some internet research to find out more about this Karen. Found nothing. It's almost like she does one thing and then just, maybe she did a complete name change or something, but it begins and ends with Karen on this one. Kind of a mystery in and of itself. Mm. Yeah, and, very interesting. And finally, Charles Perry, the guy who played the constable, that wasn't Wilkins. If you want to boo, now's the time. Sneaky Bobby. I liked him. He was Sneaky Bobby. Sneaky Bobby was all right. I liked him because he's like the first cop we've ever met that's like, oh, I've got Sherlock Holmes here. I should listen to what he says. Yeah, he was very nice to him. I'm just going to sneak around and lean against this wall inconspicuously. (laughs) Oh, hey. So anyway, that guy, Charles Perry, who played the constable, was in Disney's The Story of Robin Hood in 1952. So he's the second Robin Hood actor that we've had on the show because the guy who plays Lestrade has also appeared in some Robin Hood. Cool. That's it for my fun facts. A little lean on them this time, but I thought it was kind of neat that we had some return characters come yeah. back to, or return actors to come back and play mm-hmm. new characters. I like that because it's a mystery to me. I didn't even know that. I'm like, oh, in my mind, I can picture the guy and the lady. Yep. Yep, so they do a good job with that. At this point, gentlemen, get your pipes out. Your five very nice, very antique-looking Holmesian pipes. And we're about to rate this thing. As Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> Y'all got some crack? Goodness. Prefer, like, I think I'm going to put a little cherry flavor in mine this time. Oh, I'm like with a you on cherry that. wood on that. Mm. I actually do personally own a pipe, and every once in a while, Jared goes with the cherry. Uh-huh, okay. Any, right. Anybody else? Yeah, any other pipe smokers here? Like in real-life pipe smokers? Crack doesn't count, Jason. I don't own a pipe. No pipe Delvin, Jason? (laughs) No, no pipe for this guy. Professor Allen's pipe smokes during lectures, I assure you. Oh, man, that would be awesome. My (laughs) my father-in-law, also a university professor, he smoked a pipe. I I do not. What was his flavor of choice? Um, a pipe flavor. Okay. (laughs) Ew, that sounds nice. I think I'll have that. (laughs) (laughs) As a reminder, the scores work like this. Five pipes means you loved it. Four pipes means it was very good. Three pipes means it was good. Two pipes means eh, just okay. And one pipe, I straight up didn't like it. How many pipes are you going to pass on the left-hand side there, Professor Allen? I really enjoyed this, although I did have a few issues with it. Very good, not great. That is the exact definition of four pipes. Well done, sir. I like that decisive attitude. And I know that Delvin Bobby Wilkins appreciates that. Speaking of Delvin Bobby Wilkins, what's your score, buddy? I'm giving it three. I have not moved for my three yet. I think they are good shows. I didn't love it, but I did not dislike it at all. I'm still entertained. It's a three. Pat, Dr. Cristados, how many pipes? Let's set the bar here. I have to lower it because Wilkins not is not in here. Mm-hmm. But you got so, your Sneaky Bobby. But you got Sneaky Bobby, I know. And that's what, so I'm. it brings me to a three. So I'm going to go with the middle of a three and a five, which <coughs> makes it a four. I'm going to pretend that logic made sense and go to Jason. <laughs> uh, that was some advanced math right there. <laughs> Yeah, I liked this episode a lot. It had a little bit different of a flavor to it, but I liked it in the end. It left some questions, and no Wilkins, I'll give it four. Four from Jason. I'm going to throw in three pipes, just because I didn't like the ambiguous ending. And the different tone threw me just a little bit. We mostly, what, we had threes and fours, right? That's not too yes. shabby. Not yep. too shabby. This brings us to the 221B mailbag. Let's get in the mailbag and see who was out there sharing, liking, and retweeting our stuff. We Greatly appreciate you guys when you do that. Kick it off for us, Jason. All right. Big shout out to Aaron Ed Moss. Then we have El Sedano. You can call him out. 
comment with Nelson don't know. It's stuck in my head now. Oh, yeah, that's right. My comment with Nelson don't know. It's pretty clever. It's pretty clever, Jared. I like that. I'd Next. like to take credit for it, but I think Pat planted that seed with me earlier at one point. Yeah, I'm good at that. I'm I got good ones. <laughs> As you can see, <laughs> self-congratulatory. Yes. Modesty is not one of his problems. <laughs> <laughs> He's been hanging out with us way too long. I love it. Next up, we have Alan Middleton. And I have something really terrible to say. Oh, oh he's on yeah, the that show. That guy owes me <laughs> money. He's great. He's, 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 the, he's the greatest. I think he's standing Ugh. behind you. <laughs> He's the coolest. That like that was that was that the bad true. thing I have to say that about him. Like, he's, I mean, he's standing behind you with a one of those pokers from the fire. Because <laughs> all I know about that Alan Middleton guy is that he handed me a sketchbook. I drew a picture. He handed me money. So he is a quality quality cat in my book. Oh, yes, I yes. A, I think he's kept the tradition alive of every guest we've had on the show has bought a copy of Hamilton versus Burr Werewolf Tale. There you go. I just I read, read that. I just read I'm that just, a couple days ago. Not bad. Hey, Not thanks. bad. Thanks, man. I stole a bunch from you at the i like your style jason yeah. chris at bat girl to oracle and bat books for beginners could you maybe read say it right, <laughs> it right. chris <laughs> at bto and bat books for beginners let it roll, let it roll. <laughs> down the highway i'd like to say thank you to clinton robinson here's to you it's not robinson it's robinson Robinson. Rob, Robinson. 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 What up, Clinton? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Clinton. Thanks, Clinton. Also, a shout out to Coffee and Comics and Coffee Comics Blog. DSNRS. That's Darren and Ruth. Sutherland. Thank you, guys. Fred reads comics at Comics Fred. Thanks, Fred. And Gene Gene, the podcasting machine Hendrix from Two Two True True Freaks. Jerry Green, previous guest of the show and purchaser of Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. (laughs) (laughs) Where can they get that aforementioned comic, Jared? Oh, I'm happy to tell you I have a new sales site that just went up. It's theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. You can order it from there. Or if you want it digitally, you can get it at Amazon Kindle or at comics, C-O-M-I-X, central.com. Joe Crawford. Thanks for listening, Joe. Ken Solo. Thank you, Ken, for all that you do for us. Kevin Dale Duncan. Is that a new person? Kevin Dale Duncan? KDD? KDD. Yeah, that's somebody new. Nice. Welcome aboard, Kevin. Appreciate it, KDD. Kirk Spencer at Big Five Army. I met Kirk at Heroes Con when I met all of you fine folks as well. And the funny thing is, Kirk took me aside and said, I try not to tell Jared this, but I really love that guy. Oh, I don't (laughs) believe that for a second. Uh, What? Robo Kirk does not express feelings, even though I do (laughs) love Kirk Spencer. Oh yeah, that's true. He doesn't. He does not express emotions. He is Spartan. He's got two things in his life to do. He's got to buy comics and find and kill Sarah Connor. That's it. <laughs> I'd like to thank Sir Martin of Gray from across the pond. Thanks for tuning in and liking and sharing and retweeting and all that stuff. I'm really proud to bring up our next guest, Mike Peacock. Professor Frenzy. Thank you, Professor. My favorite professors. Next up, we have R&D Adventures at Rad Adventures. Thank you, Rad Adventures. And putting the R in Rad, former guest on this very same show, Ruth Sutherland. Tim Price got the pleasure of meeting Tim in person at HeroesCon. Tim is a great dude. He is. We love you, T. Price. Thanks a bunch, man. And next, we're going to live long and prosper with Trekker Talk. (laughs) Trekker Talk. 
I'm teasing. We all know it's about Rob Randall's excellent series, Tracker. If you are not reading it, you should read it right after Hamilton versus Burr. Yes. The Werewolf Tale. Yes, that's my brother. You should be reading Hamilton versus Burr while you're waiting for Doom. Takes a while for those comics books to come out. At least that's what Paul Hicks, one of my best buds that I met at Heroes Con, has told me. One of your best mates. It was very cool meeting you, Paul. I am staring at his Waiting for Doom postcard now. I told him I would have it on my desk when I podcast, and I did not lie. Next up is Wally Conger. That's also someone new, unless that's like a uh, super weird alias. New, new person. person. New listener. Yeah. Oh, everybody, let's do that conga. We don't have to wait any longer. Take your body, 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 and wrapping uh, us up, I believe, is uh, the star of the sequel to Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. It's Wolfman Cap. Thanks, Andy. We know it's you. But we'll never tell. Okay, boys, let's get into the mailbag we got here at 221B. Let me move Pat's violin and get into the bag. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. All right. Since that was the professor. Oh, I got to go in the bag, so. And Ryan Daly drops a comment. He says, great episode. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the guest, because I'm not the guest. I think that's a subtle hint in there. Maybe we should have Ryan Daly on an episode. <laughs> you think he wants an invite? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Let me get in the bag and get one out for Jason. Here you go. I'm going to also uh, jump on one here from Ryan Daly. He apparently had some time on his hands and sent us a couple messages. He said, uh, if I appeared, I would insist on being the Mycroft to at yard sales artist Holmes and also the Watson and the Moriarty and the Sherlock. Now, everyone knows I'm Mycroft. You be you, Ryan. You be you. <laughs> Somebody needs to be Gregson. Ah, yes. That's right. Yes. Good point. We haven't had a Gregson. We we kind of default to Moriarty, especially when we have evil professors around. It just yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I personally was hoping I'd be Toby the dog, but whatever. <laughs> that's, that's still there for Ryan. I, I just don't see how Ryan thinks he can come in and start wearing everybody's bowler. I know. Yeah. They just don't you do can't that. do that. That's, that's like using another man's toothbrush. Exactly. You exactly. don't do that in my 21B. I don't care who you that's, are. That's, that's right. right. You don't, Jared. <laughs> Jokes for Delvin. Going in. Pat, what's in that letter? Professor Frenzy. And he says, awesome. Can't wait to watch the YouTube and check out the podcast. I love it when people watch the show and follow along. Hashtag I'm following Holmes. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only way to do it. I'm just speaking for me. I mean, I think you get the most out of it if you watch the show. Listen to the episode. Hell yeah. Delvin. Here's your letter, Delvin. One from Ira Henkin. Ira. He's the man. I get the reference. Excellent. I do too. (laughs) Says, have watched the series. Okay for its time. The scripts were sometimes a bit weak. You know what? I agree. Sometimes the scripts are a bit weak, but the podcast is strong, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, (laughs) 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 get you some. (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's pump everybody up here pump everybody up. we got one last chance to pump everybody up go to the mailbag for the professor here's your letter from ruth sutherland the bowler hat guys are great they tune like. in i know they'll make you laugh along with me smiley face emoji uh, yes indeed thank you ruth it's amazing what happens when you pay someone that's right <laughs> <laughs> investment's paying off 
That's it for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, check out The Long Box Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. I'm used to saying Jared, but I'm going to say thank you, Jason. I'm glad you asked. You can find The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, or most podcatchers at www.longboxcrusade.com, Twitter at Longbox Crusade, or on Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jason. Thanks, Pat. If you want to hear us on our trek through all the James Bond films, check out on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, point him in the right direction. Jared's not here, but Sean Carter is. <laughs> What are you doing at Jared's house, Sean? I escaped and you'll never catch me, you bastard. <laughs> you can you find- owe me last month's rent. <laughs> Good luck catching me, you son of a <laughs> These boys can be found talking about On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast or some such nonsense on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers. You can check it out at www.secretpodcast.podbean.com or on Twitter at OHMSpod. Drinks are on me, boys. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Connery. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at... Pat, take it away. Thank you, Jason. You can find me at Christatos01 on the Twitter. Otherwise, if you'd like to play a game, I'm also playing Clash of Clans. I'm also Christatos there as well. Come and join me. Let's battle. Delvin, where can we find you, good sir? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Come chat with me. Thanks, Delvin. Jared, what about you? You can find me at Twitter at Yard Sale Artist, Facebook Yard Sale Artist, Instagram Yard Sale Artist. Do you have anything to sell? Sure. Yeah. Well, if you go to theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com, I do have a sale site up. You can purchase Hamilton versus Burr, a werewolf tale. You could purchase Primal Tales number one. I inked the cover of that. Or you could purchase a copy of Blackthorn, Spires of Mars, where I did the cover art for that novel. Thanks for asking, fellas. And if you want the sketch that Jared did for me of Dr. Doom, you can pry it from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> I guess you can find it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun sketch to do, and I appreciate that, Professor. Speaking of the Professor, I'm stealing time from Jason here. Professor, where can people find you? Well, most of my work can be found at the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. That includes my solo show, The Quarter Bin Podcast, though. After hanging out with Pat, we may have to call it the Five for a Dollar Podcast. Five, uh, yeah, that was good. Not too was- shabby, huh? Got some, no. of that, got some of that cheap bin magic. I got to see him, the professor Quarterbin, in action. It was this was like watching a wild animal in the wild there, <laughs> in, in their natural environment, natural <laughs> habitat. Yeah. So he's he peed on like, the long boxes. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like grabbing for one, and then all of a sudden rah, rah, he slapped my. Got to claim those somehow, man. Got to claim those somehow. <laughs> no. It, It was a great time hanging out with him. I really enjoyed myself. So that and more can be found at the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Thanks, Professor. Again, this is Jason, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Dahlbrick on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next episode. The next episode is The Case of the Blind Man's Bluff. The meetup location? Well, 221B Baker Street, of course. Take us out, Pat. (laughs) 